What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of a church, of a church, this church, (laughs) Canby Christian Church, get together in a dank basement on a Wednesday this week and talk about what happened on Sunday. That's why we call it on Sunday. Uh, I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. And Rob, did you have a good week? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I had a good, you had yeah. a special uh, special feature yesterday. A special feature. Oh, at the chamber the lunch? F- oh, featured that's speaker. true. It has been a busy last week and a good start to this week. Last week, uh, my mom came to visit, actually. Thursday, mm. she flew in. I didn't even see her. Well, she left. She wasn't here on, on church on Sunday. Oh, okay. Her flight, the only flight she could get was left out of PDX at like, I think it was 10 a.m. Oh, okay. So basically Mal and Man, the Man, you were preaching. Your mom couldn't even stick around? And I talked tra- Well, I talked about her too. Unreal. Um, you did, huh? <laughs> I you told her, her, hey, you need oh, to Oh, that's funny. You the most loving thing you ever did for me, mom, was when you didn't love me and kicked me <laughs> out of the house. <laughs> it, what's funny is she Tough would, love. She said like, yes, I said that to you. I said, if you're going to live this way, you can't live with me. But she's like, but I didn't like kick you out. She she debates me now. She was like, I just was trying to get you to make better choices. And oh, like, like you could have said, well, I'll stop living this way and stay. Yes. And you were like, yeah, I'm going like, to keep living that which way. <laughs> Or you were like, I can't stop living this way. I need to go. Yeah. it's We had a discussion about it while she was visiting. And I was like, basically the way that I took it as that point in my life was a wake up call. Like mm. for me, you know, like it, and it wasn't just her saying that it was also me realizing I'm an idiot. Like mm. I, my, my brother just got, you know, arrested. Yeah. I'm on my friend's couch feeling like a total loser with a, a suspended license and no future. You know, like there was a lot of things piling up, mm. but when she told me like, you, you need to figure this out. You can't live your life this way. You can't live with me if you're going to, you know, it like, it gave me that push I needed. So that was true. But you know, like anything in life, there's more complicated nuances to everything. But for sure. Um, anyways, yeah, my mom was visiting. That was a lot of fun. We just hung out and she got to see the kids. She she comes up every few months because she misses the grandbabies. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got AC installed all day in my new home a on C? Thursday. Oh, AC, AC, oh, AC installed. I thought you said a C. I'm like, a I C. heard I heard I got a C installed. I too, and I was AC trying to like, what installed. is this thing? Um, because I mean, it was like 92 degrees yesterday. It's it's getting warm and that, that house has not had it. Honestly, that house actually stays pretty cool, but, uh, we got a pretty good deal. And, uh, so anyways, we had a little bit of, so we're working on the the house that we're going to be moving into in the next few weeks. So that was pretty cool. And then yesterday, or let's see, Monday, what happened? Monday was a normal day. Tuesday we had, I went to the Canby center as I do from time to time. And I was able to teach the Bible there before their harvest share. I met their new, um, like youth director, I think is what her title is. Maybe what's her, Roberta. Roberta. Mm-hmm. She was here on Sunday. She's a youth director. She is like, she's going to be the director of the youth mentor program. Oh, okay. Like okay. middle school students is kind of who they're targeting. Um, she's working on that a really cool new development they're working on to help mentor mentors connect to young uh, you know, <clears throat> students and help them uh, develop life skills and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, so she was there and then uh, she was also at the chamber lunch. It was funny. She was like, man, I'm, I'm, he- I'm hearing you talk about the Bible all over town this week because <laughs> she was here on Sunday where I preached and then she came to the chamber 
uh, lunch and she was obviously at the Canby Center when I went there and taught. So I had a, yeah, I had a chance to speak to a number of different people in the community, but um, which is amazing to think about. Totally. I was thinking about, I, I referenced this when I was at the chamber, um, Jeremiah 29, seven, where he says like, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile to the, to the ancient Israelites after they were taken into captivity and pray to the Lord on its, its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Um, but I think I was talking about how like, it's unfortunate. There's a lot of churches that sort of stay in their bubble and they are sort of monastic. You know what I mean? Like they're mm-hmm. not integrated in the community very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely not a part of our mission. Like we want to be integrated into this community. We want to have a good um, reputation and we want people to know who we are and, and what we stand for, which is the gospel. Um, but then the other, the other thing that happens too, is a lot of cities ostracize people of faith and don't really give them position. And because, you know, like I, I don't think that this, that me standing before the chamber of commerce, which is just a group of business and city leaders right, and talking about the gospel, talking about our church would even be something they would entertain in a place like Portland. I imagine, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure. But I think, well, unless you are like a certain kind of yeah. church, <laughs> right? But that I wouldn't even call a church. But you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think can be is somewhat unique in that, and that we're you know, and I could tell. Obviously, not everyone in the chamber is a Christian. I think there are several who are, and I've spoken, but they go to different churches, and I, you know, mentioned that there's a lot of great churches in town. <clears throat> but I was getting a few looks, you know, like okay. You know, like sort Get of roll, rolling of eyes. The pastor's up there talking about Jesus. I know. Okay. And which is, <laughs> it's fine. It's, but I appreciate that they'll sit there. And, and I also <clears> appreciate <throat> that, you know, there's other people with different perspectives. They have a, a platform to speak as well. So I don't know. I think that's cool. Canby is a, a really wonderful place to be because I think there is a lot of good interaction between different, different worldviews in public spaces. And we have the privilege to participate in that. So we might as well take advantage of it. And this week we, we had the chance to do that. Um, but yeah, that was, that was my a long week. week. <laughs> it, it was busy. How about you? You had, you had kind of a rough day yesterday. I had a, it's been a roller coaster week. We had to put our dog down yesterday. Mm-hmm. 11 and a half years old. It was just, it was a really tragic sort of situation. He got an injury whilst running and just didn't recover. Um, we took him to the vet a while ago and we were hoping he would turn a corner and he didn't and said he would turn the other corner and mm. got to the point where he wasn't walking on his hind legs really. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just kind of came down to no, no other alternative, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's just, I've never had to put a dog down before, you know, mm. and he, we got, I got him <laughs> right after we got married, like maybe a year after. And so he, uh, yeah, I mean, we had him before we had our babies, you know? I mean, he's yep. just, he's he was our first baby. And, um, and yeah, so it, it was just, it was a hard, uh, you know, anybody who's ever put put their beloved dog down, you know, the mm-hmm. situation and the feeling. So it was hard to make that decision. And, but in the, at the end of it, he was, I'm, I'm thankful that uh, we had the time with him. And I know it's going to be in and out. Like even yesterday I came home. And like the house was quiet, you know, he didn't run up to the door. Like it's just one of those, those subconscious things that's just like, it becomes a part of your life for over yeah. 11 years. Um, the little rattling of the collar and yeah. stuff. It's just like normal. Totally. Or just like, 
crumbs fall on the ground and you're like, cool, I know Elliot will get that. You know what I mean? Like all that, all those little things, you know? And uh, like I was making breakfast in the morning, you know, it's like, oh, he's not here trying to get the scraps off the master's table. You know, it's just <laughs> all that kind of stuff. My backyard's not going to be a mess anymore. You know, like <laughs> what, you know, like, you know, yeah. you kind of miss the mess, you know? Anyway, it, that was a tough day. Um, but it's been a tough month, you know, he's, he's not been doing well. And so I, I think in the end, we knew we made the right decision. What was even worse about it is that yesterday was Adeline's birthday. Mm -hmm. So we had to put, I mean, yeah, it's just an unfortunate timing. We had to put him down and it was just unfortunately on her birthday. So that was the a high, you know, my youngest turns eight and had a birthday party for her on Monday afternoon in the neighborhood. All the friends were there and stuff like that. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, we had a good time um, Monday and yeah, it's just, it's just been been kind of wild, you know. I've enjoyed though having a couple of weeks off out of the out of the pulpit, you know. Like obviously I I love studying God's word and things like that, but I I knew I needed a break. So I was thankful <coughs> to have a have a two week break and hear you guys preach the last couple of weeks. Yep. Excited to get back <clears throat> in this week, but it's gonna be a pretty fun text. It is gonna be fun. We'll First get in we'll get into it later. Two. <laughs> How about you, Cody? How was your week? Uh, good. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember. It's Wednesday now. I'm trying to remember what I even did all week. Uh, <laughs> you had your last you had, uh, youth group bubble party. Yeah, we had our bubble night party. What was uh, the... Why? Why bubbles? What, what? It was just like a dumb theme for a party, you know? <laughs> Is that the thing where they eat the bubbles? Uh, I mean, it, it was all bubbles. So we did, there was games with bubble gum and with blowing bubbles oh, and I yeah, see. some edible bubbles and, uh, you know, they're split into teams and they're popping bubble wrap. Mm. Um, and then we play our big like Zorball bubble soccer oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, uh, had bubble tea for snack and, you know, That's cool. all the kids, uh, you know, just had fun hanging out, playing games. They like playing games in teams too. And like. Like they get really into the Taco Bell Olympics that we do every year, <laughs> all That's that cool. kind of stuff. So yeah, it was just a dumb, like random theme, you know, to structure games around. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's pretty cool. But yeah, it was fun. Lots of fun. And then you have a barbecue. Tonight? Yeah. Barbecue tonight. We always do uh, like a summer kickoff. That's like mostly <clears> for <throat> parents. I mean, it's a barbecue and there's things, kids hang out, do whatever they want. Um, but the parents get the summer calendar and can ask questions if they need to or whatever. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Pretty cool. It should Chill be week. it should be nicer today. Yesterday was hot. Yeah. It's I think it's still gonna be hot, but it's gonna be like eighty. It'll be less hot. Eighty two yeah. or something. Well, yeah, it was like ninety one yesterday. Yeah. It was super warm. And I got no <coughs> AC in my car. <laughs> <laughs> That's not yeah. good. You got oh, poor wow. man's AC where you like... Aussie or AC? Roll down the window. Aussie. <laughs> um, I got a C. <laughs> no, poor man's uh, AC is where you lean against your 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 seat back until your back's all sweaty. So then when you lean forward, it's really cool yeah, air. Yeah, roll the window yeah. down. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got that. <laughs> On a long drive, I got that. Yeah. Dude, I'm already feeling the like summertime, no youth group. I was able to mount some microphones. We've been needing to mount for a while. Oh, in the nice! Where it's like I already feel the uh, the uh, <laughs> you're able to be more productive in other yeah areas. the weight the weight of a weekly youth group meeting lifting summer nice. project starting <laughs> yeah very mm -hmm. cool 
Right on. Well, should we move into the text? Let's do it. First we had Timothy. we had Rob's tough love this week. Right. Uh, the main idea being God loves tough people with tough love. Um, and so, yeah, we're in the second half. We started the chapter of First uh, Timothy. We started the whole series going through First and Second Timothy last week, uh, and then Rob picked up the second half of chapter one this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do you think, Rob, as you were preparing, was it one you, it was easy, it was tough, there was a lot of, to dig into? I mean, there there's a few, well, really the sentence I've handed them over to Satan is a bit hard, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, so that, that, but. That's some tough love right yeah, there. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think I was telling you this a while ago, but I think, you know, sometimes you get to a text and it's puzzling and it's challenging and you got to kind of do a lot of research. This was definitely not one of those. It's a pretty yeah. straightforward, like, uh, you know, Paul talks about his his conversion and gives this wonderful summation, this trustworthy saying that Christ came to save sinners of whom I'm the foremost, which was not only meant for him. Like, that is a saying that that all of us can and ought to say. But then, so that that's the tough people part, right? We're, we're tough people and God loves us anyways, or rather, despite our sinfulness, uh, which we read about throughout the, 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 New, the New Testament. And then the next portion talking about these, going back to what you talked about last week, um, where you were saying, you know, introducing us to these false teachers and they needed to be dealt with. And so he kind of introduces this, uh, an example with these two guys who were teaching false things and, um, you know, removing them, showing the tough love of God to them. So it was pretty straightforward in, in, putting it together. Um, even, even as you were preparing to preach, I was reading ahead, you know, as we do mm-hmm. and, and thinking through. So I had that idea, um, like a main idea already formulated. It was just a matter of putting it all together and getting some helpful, uh, illustrations and transitions and that kind of thing. So it was, um, it was good. If it, it worked well, I think the Lord was kind <laughs> in helping me put it together in advance. And I think it was, um, pretty effective overall. Uh, I mean, I think you could have taught this first chapter all in one go if you were to combine our main ideas. But I think overall, the way that we pieced it out was was helpful to take a bit of a break between these um, two sections of chapter one mm-hmm. and uh, talk about this charge from two perspectives. But yeah, yeah so I, overall, I thought it was cool. And I uh, got some good comments from people. And uh, I got I got to, to apologize to everyone you know, for <laughs> treating them like jerks or acting like a jerk and treating them inappropriately. <laughs> See, I'm already sticking my foot in my mouth. Um, because yeah, that is definitely something <laughs> well, some, <laughs> that some I have people like, uh, I remember someone at like early on when you got here was like, Oh man, I just can't figure this guy Rob out, you know? And I'm like, well, have you taken him to lunch? Oh no, I should probably do that. Okay, cool. And then I started saying something about like, well, you know, Rob, the, you know, Rob, when he was younger, I mean, he went into the military and I was going to keep going on. And he was like, oh, wait, he was in the military. Oh, wait, never mind. I don't, I don't need to. <laughs> that and was like, like they got it right away. It was like, oh, now I understand why Rob is the way he is, <laughs> which, to be perfectly frank, is not a fair judgment either. <laughs> right, 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 right. Just because you're in the military. Oh, now I've put you in a box. You know, like, unfortunately, <laughs> that's what we like to do. We like to put people in boxes so that we can know how to relate to them. Right. This is why everybody loves the Enneagram. <laughs> um, which I hate, but 
I think that, uh, <laughs> did I say that clear enough? I can't stand the Enneagram, mostly because it's right. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true either. Um, but yeah, I think as people get to know other people, you know, some people are just like immediately you can sort of get a good first impression, but even that doesn't always work out well because you can meet somebody but then find out like, oh, they, they also have a personality flaw that's kind of annoying, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, or, or not, not good here. They're really good over there. And so, yeah, I think we just need to really be charitable toward all people, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, that was kind of the way I introduced the topic because I think the apostle Paul, you know, God, God gifted him in a way, in a wonderful way where he has a, a good balance of that. And of course he learned that over years and, and that sort of thing, but, um, where he's able to balance having, you know, a soft heart, someone who really cares for others, and then also being able to say sharp things, which yeah. is what this is mostly about. For sure. And uh, <clears throat> and I actually appreciate, I've been, I've been confronted, we'll say. <coughs> I've experienced church discipline, which is something I talked about, um, on a one-on-one level with a lot of different people, not just people in leadership, like people who I've said something, and they'll come to me and they'll say, the way that you handled that, the way that you said that, you're, what you're saying is true, but the way that you said that wasn't very kind and I've had to, you know, admit it and change. And I think that's happened a number of times. And those people who have done those, that to me, I'm more, I'm better friends with them now than I was before, mm-hmm. you know, like it has only served to help our relationship move forward. And um, I'm thinking of a few people in particular, but I won't mention them. Uh, but anyways, yeah, that was a part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, I mean, I think I've had, you know, the same experience, like my, some of my people that I think the fondest of that I see has helped me grow the most um, are people who are willing to like challenge me mm-hmm. when they saw me not doing something right or confront me on different things. And those are people that like I dearly love. But then I turn around and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to make that person upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I've like I see that weird, uh, you know, kind of tension in myself. Um, that like, I always try to think back like, well, but how do I feel about people who have been willing to confront me with tough love? You know, I love those people. Mm -hmm. Like they helped me. I'm grateful to them. Uh, so I have to like kind of remind myself that when I'm apprehensive to do the same for someone else, because it is uh, such an important part of being a healthy church and doing life together. Like we build each other up, uh, we challenge each other. Uh, we grow mm-hmm. all of that because of this mm-hmm. type of teaching that you taught on this week. Yeah. And it will continue to be a driving theme throughout both of these letters. For sure. <clears throat> so we'll continue to talk about it, no doubt. What I what I think, because it's interesting that you brought up Paul as like, I bet you he was both, he could be really sharp with his words, but he also was really compassionate and he learned mm-hmm. that. I I mean, I, I would imagine probably early on before he became a Christian and even maybe slightly after, he was probably really sharp with people. Yeah, a lot and, less compassionate, it would seem. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a dog-eat-dog world in, in his mind, and it was all about being on the top of the ladder and on the top of the hill. I mean, like he, he says in his own resume, you know, like I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was, I, I mean, I was the man, you know, like yeah. nobody was better than me in regard to pedigree mm-hmm. and and skill. And yet afterward, he learned like all of that stuff was like trash, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think 
So his call in the book of Acts, when God tells Ananias, like, go visit this guy, Saul, I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer for my name's sake. And I think obviously through suffering for the gospel will, and, and for the church and for mm. people. And when you're now seeing yourself rightly, mm. I am the chief of sinners. These people, yes, they are sinners and their lives are messed up. My life was also messed up. And you begin to have more empathy and compassion mm. for people. And so I, the, I think he started one way and then he got softer. Some people are soft because they're people pleasers and they need to start getting a little bit more tough. And that's maybe where Timothy was, you know, mm. Timothy was maybe yeah. a little bit more on the empathetic, compassionate uh, side, sympathetic side. Uh, hey, I think we can work this out. You know, he's a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker, as some would say, you know, like, mm. uh, let's just keep the peace at all, all means possible. But some people, in order to keep the peace, you got to kick them out. And, yeah. and that, that now, so now you got Paul having to put that hat on for this guy, Timothy. But what I was going to say in, in all of that was it, it absolutely amazes me about the apostle Paul that he did not give up on the local church. Instead, he continues to fight over and over and over again for the, for the healthy local body of believers, accepting the reality mm-hmm. that they're filled with wolves they're filled with bombs. They're filled with division. They're filled with the potential for all of those things, even if they're not present. The potential is always there. Yeah. And and yet he never gave up on it. And I think a lot of people, like I've been, I was emailing this guy this last week, and he, I had lunch with him, and I mean, he had some church hurt. I'm not going to deny his church hurt, but this, I mean. He, he, at this point in his stage of life, is making every excuse to not join a church anymore. Because, and it almost feels like he consciously or subconsciously has given up on the local church. And is just like, oh, I just meet with a group of Christians in my living room and blah, blah, blah. And I, I think a lot of quote-unquote Christians have given up on the local church um, due to church hurt. Hmm. or confusion or whatever. And so they don't, they don't know how to get back into it. But like Paul fought for healthy churches mm-hmm. and he was, he was not going to just like pull away or just bash the church. He was going to try and get in there and help it. And, and you got to have both those things. You got to have compassion and you got to have the truth and you got to be bold and courageous and all of those things. Um, anyway, those were some of the things that I was, getting out of your sermon. Well, both of the sermons. Yeah. Um, but yours here at the end with the whole tough love and tough people, but it has to be tethered with that, like his own personal story Mm -hmm. where he says, though I was formerly a blasphemer, Christ had mercy on me. Then you fast forward and he says, I'm going to kick these guys out, deliver them to Satan so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. And so Paul, in in one like broad brush stroke, is saying these guys are blasphemers. Kick them out. I was a blasphemer, and the Lord showed mercy on me through right. tough love. Right. And so you need to have tough love with these guys too. Yeah. In order that they might not blaspheme, and in hopes that they will receive mercy, just like he received mercy. Yep. Exactly. And I think that that's man. That is not. 
that runs so contrary to the grain of our culture, which right. is a culture of coddling, a culture of uh, affirmation, tolerance, tolerance <laughs> acceptance. That word is so misused now, oh, dude. tragically. Very tragically. <clears throat> and Anyways. anyway, I those those were some of my thoughts along along. Yeah. Hmm. I'm glad I didn't preach the sermon, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, you passed it over onto us. Well, let me I'll tell I told you kind of why, but I'll say it here publicly. He mentions these people by name. He does. Hymnaeus yeah. and Alexander. Mm-hmm. Another thing that churches don't like to do is, well, you know, we're not gonna say who it is. But we'll just, you know, be passive about this. And we just want to address the whole room that, you know, we are not going to teach these things and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. When Paul had no qualms about him to say, see those two guys right there? Those two guys are (laughs) blasphemers. Yeah. They are teaching wrong doctrine. Y'all need to stay away. You need to kick them out, have nothing to do with them. So that they learn their lesson that they can't come here and say those things. Right. And believe those things. Those two guys, see them right there, Hymenaeus and Alexander, those two guys right there, name them by name so that everybody knows who they are. (laughs) And, and then, and then they're out, you know, like, and Paul, like, is Paul being unloving? No. Like he loves those men with tough love and he loves the church. Mm Mm-hmm. So much that he's willing to protect them from false doctrine. Absolutely. He doesn't hate these men, but he is pointing them out. Now, again, Christians will say, that is so unloving. How could you possibly kick someone out of the church? Um, You have to if they're teaching false doctrine and if they're being divisive, leading people astray, uh, or or their personalities are such that they... um, are not, you know, their their behavior is demonstrating unbelief. Right. And they're committing sin they're not repenting of. Right, right, right. After numerous attempts right. to lovingly correct them. Yeah. That's the Matthew 18 thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I I think it was it was good that I didn't <laughs> preach this because I've had some names in the in the years past <laughs> that would have been coming into my mind, you know? Right, right. And uh, anyway. well, I think that is important. I, I had considered. <laughs> Cody knows. He's laughing I have considered, at me. like, highlighting a few of those things. Another thing is just the fact that they were known, uh, which implies that there was a, uh, in this church or in, in the company that they were keeping, that there was a relational, uh, you know, they had relationships with one another. And there was... Um, a, a, you know, there had to be a sort of membership process that was more intentional. It wasn't some unknown person. If we talk about them, you don't know who they are because it's such a large place and there's not a lot of relational understanding between people. You know what I mean? Like they knew who these guys were. And of course they were in a position of prominence, it seems. Um, but anyways, yeah, those are a few things that I didn't quite mention, but mm. are still important, but we'll, we'll get into some of those things I think later. Um, as we as we go through Timothy, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's a lot more teachings on yeah how to behave in the church, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like he says in chapter three, mm-hmm. so we will continue to get into that. Um, but we can get us. Oh, I was thinking maybe before we well, we've kind of already started the discussion, so maybe let's circle back to that uh, discussion about in uh, entailments from last week uh, mm. at the maybe at the end. I, I like to get to that. 
Um, but oh, you're saying oh, because we had to we skipped it. That's right. That's and right. We, think, we went a little long last. Yeah, week. let's try to we'll try to squeeze it in. But here's here's something we can think about. What are some uh, of the reasons a personal testimony can be effective evangelism teaching tool? I think that's what Paul does here. Yep, and he does it often in his in his writings. Um, so testimonies are effective, important. They're you know what I mean. They're a good way to to share the gospel. I think that's and also to and what Paul is doing specifically in this text is like I was mentioning, contrasting. He was saying, this is what true conversion looks like. Look at me. But these men aren't emulating these things. Mm. They haven't shown, you know what I mean? That's a part of what he's doing because then he gets into, um, you know, explaining that. But I mean, what? and then what are some of maybe the dangers in in test sharing your testimony or relying too heavily on it? That was maybe something we could talk about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like here, he shares his testimony, a personal testimony. Um of him being in being put into service mm-hmm. though he was formerly a blasphemer um and and he was shown mercy by doing that and then he makes this great statement that uh, it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am the foremost so he's he shares his calling g- Christ's mercy and then his personal understanding of himself <laughs> that he's the chief of sinners which is a contrast to where Cody was last week about these other guys yeah. these other guys are they make confident assertions of which yeah. they have no idea really what they're talking about they want to be teachers of the law even though they don't understand what they're saying or the matters of which they make these confident assertions yeah it's vain discussion vain it's, discussions yeah. Um, they are teaching strange doctrines. And so he's doing a little juxtaposition here, right? Like, look at what they are ambitiously pursuing, though they don't have the real thing. Hmm. They don't have conversion. He's saying, I have conversion, and then this is the fruit of what that looks like, Mm -hmm. a humble admission that I am nothing. Right. I am nothing, and I cannot believe that the Lord would choose me to be in his service. And, and that's just a, a totally different, um, like he's just, he's shining light on the obvious reality. Yeah. These guys look like leaders, but they're not Christ like leaders. Hmm. And, and that's what you want to be looking for. Oh, and by the way, church in Ephesus, that's what Timothy is. He's a mm-hmm. Christ like leader. Yeah. And so you should be listening to that guy and not these other dudes. And even though, you know, they may, you may have known them longer they may come across, as if they're really confident, they really don't know what they're talking about. And, <clears throat> but I think that's his, I don't think it's an evangelistic tool. Uh, like he's trying to lead people to Christ through his testimony. I think he's trying to use the gospel as sort of a, an example of what conversion looks like and, and uh, the, the fruit of it, I guess you could say, that then flows off into ministry. Am I wrong? Am I right? I mean, I, th- I think it's both because like uh, if you go down to 16, but I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience mm-hmm. as an example to those who, who were to believe, believe mm, okay, in okay. him for eternal life, you know? So okay. I think it's it's both. I mean, uh, yeah, I think it, it fits right there. Yeah. To the non-Christian in the room. It fits right there because it's flowing in his argument about what's happening, right? Sure. You're teaching this weird doctrine, our doctrine is in accordance with the gospel. Now I'm grateful because this is what the gospel did for me. 
but these people are blaspheming, you know, like there's like the logical flow, but I think he's saying both too. Like, and you, you know, like the reason I got it is, you know, he shows his humility. The reason mm-hmm. I got what Christ gave to me is because it shows an example for everyone else who might believe in him, how patient he can be, how perfectly patient he is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I made that comment that his testimony shows that, you know, no one is so far from God that he cannot, yeah. you know, reveal himself to them and bring them back to belief. Yeah. <clears throat> it's inter- when you ask that question, what are, what could be a danger of sharing your testimony? Because yeah. sharing your testimony is awesome. I remember as a kid, Cause it, like, uh, I would hear these like guest speakers or people at events mm-hmm. and they would share just like crazy life stories <laughs> of how, and these dramatic, huge dramatic ways that they, uh, you know, came to find a faith in Jesus or God gave them faith. Um, and I remember like, obviously I was doing my own thing, right? But I remember saying, like, dude, everybody who has, like, an impactful testimony has done some crazy stuff. Yeah. And, like, I kind of want to drink and do drugs and try to hook <laughs> so up So I with have girls. a good testimony. And, like, so, uh, like, I remember using it as an excuse. Like, well, there's, like, time for me to do whatever I want. Mm, wow. And, and, you know, and I can, you know. But that was obviously the motivation was I already had a desire to sin, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but I remember thinking it too. Like, I don't know, like everybody, everybody with really cool testimonies, impactful testimonies has some crazy stuff to say, you know, That's and a, I used a, it as like yeah. another excuse to just indulge in the sin I already wanted to indulge in, like not by any like pure or even logical, like I was just, you know, making an argument to myself. And if I didn't have that argument, I would have made a different argument to myself for why I can indulge in whatever sin is, you know, my heart desires. Um, but it is interesting. Sometimes we make it feel like uh, to have a cool testimony, you have to be like really messed up and do some crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That is a real danger. But we've, what's cool is like in the men's huddles, which I mentioned, we've had guys who get up and basically their testimony is I've been a Christian as long as I can remember. And I've had these struggles and those things, but for the most part, you know, like I haven't had the crazy thing. And then we have guys, you know, other guys who have had quite an up and down life. Really colorful. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I think you're right though. It it can be dangerous. They're both valuable. And obviously Paul has quite the testimony. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's, he had something similar to that. He grew up in church. <laughs> yeah. It just, he had a, he didn't accept the Messiah for who he was, but anyways, yeah, I, I think that is a real danger and it's probably worth noting, um, to, to younger people when you're doing those sorts of things that you don't need to, you know, be like smuggling drugs and selling them or something yeah. to, to have a legitimate testimony or, or to be careful, which, be careful like when and how you celebrate those more like wild oh, yeah. testimonies. Yeah. Cause it, it can off, it can feel like this person's really just like bragging about like totally. stuff that like comes off as macho or, yeah. you know, like uh masculine or whatever. Like, and then at the end they're like, but now I have Jesus. But like the whole <laughs> testimony was more like bragging about the stuff you seem 
like the stuff that should have humbled you. Yeah. That should, you know what I mean? So those are the, yeah, those are the things. And to celebrate people who have had long, like faithful relationships with Christ who have grown up in Christian homes and their parents taught them well. And at some point they did have to come to the decision for themselves like those. And I think, like you said, we, we do a, a good mix of those yeah. in the men's huddles. Um, I'm sure the women's <clears throat> ministry would say similar things because I know some of the people who have shared testimonies. I know some of them were just Christians for a really long time yeah. and had to come up, you know, at some point faced a crisis of faith and, and came to really own it for their own. But uh, those are all, those should be equally valued. Yeah, mm. because at the end of the day, all of us, like he, he uh, Paul calls himself an insolent opponent. Which, um, that's essentially what he says in Romans. He says, all of us, all have sinned, all are enemies of God. We were by nature, children of wrath and slaves to sin. It's like that, that counts everyone, not Mm -hmm. just people who had quote unquote wild testimonies. (laughs) We've, (laughs) we've all, we were all insolent opponents, but I said something like, yeah, but with different details. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's, that is a good note for sure. When you're sharing your story, make sure that Christ is more prominent than like all of the cool sins you committed. (laughs) Yeah. That's a danger for real that you could fall into when sharing your story. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, another thing is just talking about your story and omitting the gospel. You know I mean? It's always, you got to include it like Paul does here. Well, you don't, yeah. You don't want to make it like subjective where it's like you get to the end of hearing someone's testimony and it's like, well, that's really good for you. Yeah. And I'm glad you found that. Like, I'm glad you got out of that thing and that your Jesus helped you do that. You know, like he doesn't make that statement. He says, uh, he came into the world to save sinners among whom I'm the foremost. Like Mm -hmm. anyone who acknowledges that they are a sinner, he came for you. And that all of a sudden brings everybody else in versus this like subjective, man, I was kind of lost and then I was looking and I, I ended up trying this Jesus thing and it worked for me, you know? Maybe, maybe it could work for you. It's like, no, no, no. It it will work for you because you're a sinner just yeah. like he was. Yeah, I think when it comes to testimonies, I just, like you were saying with like retreats or camps or these kinds of things where some guy comes out or person comes out with this great elaborate storytelling. Um, I think for me, I just get a little bit annoyed more when I see like, Oh, this celebrity just became a Christian. Wow. I would have never thought this <laughs> yeah. famous celebrity would now like accept Jesus or whatever. And people get all like goo goo, you know? And and I'm like, uh, he's just a sinner like everybody else. Like at the foot of the cross, we're all equal. Mm-hmm. Like just because he's more known. And I think it's just the gimmicky thing of like, oh, maybe if my my son or my daughter sees that so-and-so as popular as they are became a Christian. Maybe they'll become a Christian too. It's like, dude, you're not saved because so-and-so became a Christian. You're right. saved because Jesus died on the cross for you. And you came to recognize you're a sinner. And I don't know. I think we just put too much weight on those sort of things to, in order to manipulate and convert people. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think he's using it to a particular end yeah. to show that, this is not the Christianity that you want to follow. These other guys, right? They're not offering you true faithful Christianity. What does he say? Like in the next section, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Right. 
Um, so yeah, they they maybe they start off started off saying the right things, but eventually started saying the wrong things, and that's when you, they realized, oh, it, they didn't have genuine faith. Um, yep. Maybe in the beginning it sounded that way, but in the end they they really didn't. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, th- and I, th- yeah, I mean, part of that, I think you asked the question, I mean, you shared the gospel, like, you know, the God, man, Christ response, <laughs> right? Like the, like you shared it really fully and clearly and you said, have you responded to that? You know, and if you're not a Christian yet, this is a great time to, but then you asked the other question, it, it, like if you have, you said, how often do you reflect upon that? You know, how often do you remind yourself? Um, sorry, my notes got real small right there. How often do you remind yourself of who you once <laughs> were and who you've become through the gospel? Like yeah. when we, when we stop reflecting on that, when we stop remembering that, uh, is when we start thinking like, oh, man, I could probably teach some laws. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like I'm pretty good at life. Like yeah. I, I could probably teach you some things, you know? Um, and then we get a little more like stuck on who we are. Um, and how good we can do versus remembering I'm the chief <laughs> of the sinners. Yeah. And it's Christ's words, the Bible, that mm-hmm. actually is the thing I should be teaching from and not, uh, you know, trying to make up my own, you know, disciples of Cody or whatever. Yeah. And I did wrestle a little bit because verse 15 says, you know, Paul says, I am the foremost sinner. He seems to say this is a part of the trustworthy thing. But then in verse uh, 13, he says, formerly I was a blasphemer. So it, it's hard because we can, we can go on both sides of the extreme. One being, oh, I've been saved now and I got it all under control. There's that where we can fall into temptation thinking that we, you know, we don't have to be mindful of temptation or we don't have to rely completely on God's grace for all. Um, and we start to sort of take things upon our, ourselves and that kind of thing. <clears throat> but the other temptation is to say, that we're still as wretched as we once were, which is a danger. I think if we overemphasize that, sure. which I don't think that's what Paul's doing because no. he's saying formerly I was this way. And he is saying, this is a trustworthy saying I am, you know, of whom I am the foremost sinner speaking more or less about his past and, and looking forward to the future. Cause then he says in verse 16, of course, this is an example for those who will believe and then he bursts into this this hymn, this song in verse 17, praising God for his grace. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, there's there's definitely a balance when you get into talking about that, um, that you want to make sure, you know, that you're giving God the glory for where he has brought you. Um, not as if you will are perfect, but you, we're different today, <laughs> better today by God's grace than yesterday if we're continuing to walk with the Lord mm. uh, day by day, you know, little by little. And uh, sometimes that's imperceptible. Sometimes we can go a few years, and we don't realize how much we have changed. And so that's why, like, keeping a journal can be helpful sometimes, writing your prayers or thoughts. <coughs> and then, like, I recently discovered an old journal, and I read it. And it was like, it's really cathartic. It's really spiritually edifying. Because I look at it, and I'm like, I can't believe this is where my head was at 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And God has brought me so far beyond where I was. And I never would have thought I would be where I am now, uh, back then. Um, and so things like that are helpful. Um, you know what I mean? You want to make sure you're progressing in sanctification. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, you never want to lose sight of the fact that you were once, you know, like, uh, and that's why I was, I'm so moved by the, the hymn, amazing grace, the story of John Newton and, 
uh, some of his writings and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, <clears throat> so that was cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, anyways, a testimony is important, but we got to use it wisely. Mm-hmm. I think is the moral there. Uh, what are what about tough love? What are some examples that you either <laughs> received tough love? I gave one from my life, or did you have to deal out? And maybe how did it go? Because I, I have one story I want to share. But what do you say? Well, go ahead. Well, I one thing I will mention is beyond we, your, beyond we, your mom kicking her, kicking well, you out, <laughs> yeah, or threatening you to kick when you out. When we exercise church discipline to the extreme, the toughest of loves, when we have to, as Paul says, quote, turn someone over to Satan or ask them, you know, disfellowship, remove them, um, or kick them out of your house if they're your kid and or whatever this, the context is. By God's grace is like, you have to just trust that the Lord will do what he will do because it doesn't always work out the way we would hope. You know, mm-hmm. this, you may do this and the people that you exercise tough love they meant they may never repent. They may never, may never return, which is an incredibly difficult, hard thing to embrace. Um, and I think that's something I didn't mention because obviously I, I painted a pretty good portrayal because in my life it worked for me by God's grace. But I mean, I think it's worth noting to us. And I spoke with um, you know a person at church who said, "What happened to you? I had to do to my child, and tragically, it didn't really." they never really returned. They never repented. And I'm not sure where they are now, you know, like sure. it's a hard, that's just a hard thing to embrace. But I think we'd have to just trust in the sovereignty of God. Right. Right. And hope, you know, pray and hope. Well, and I think, I think Paul clearly had love for Himenaeus and Alexander. That's why he's asking them to do this, but he also loves the church Yeah, and he loves the witness of Christ mm. as supreme. And he's calling Timothy to put the gospel above relationships. And I know that sounds really odd. Yeah. Like, well, isn't the gospel for relationships and reconciling people? Yeah, for sure. If they want to be reconciled, but they don't. And they're showing that through the behavior. They want, they have an agenda. Yeah. And it's not the gospel agenda. It's something personal. It's self-indulging. And that stuff needs to be repented of mm-hmm. and and acknowledged as sinful. And so in order to do that, he's got to exercise tough love. But Timothy had to show a greater, higher love for the gospel and fidelity to that and to the broader church. Mm-hmm. Because what he's asking, it, the opposite would be, okay, let's coddle these two guys, allow them to belong, but then let everybody else suffer and die. And, and that's, that's the whole illustration with the bomb, right? right. That yeah. you were talking about Cody the week before it's like, okay, well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna address this issue, but then we'll just subject someone, maybe a lot of people to suffer shipwreck because we didn't deal with this one issue right here. Mm. And so you've, yeah, you've got to address it some way. And so the church matters, the gospel matters, relationships matter, but if there's someone coming against that, then they, they've got to put the gospel above that. Yeah. And that's the, that's the hard thing to discern. That's why you need a plurality of elders, which we're going to get into in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> to help discern those, those decisions. Um, and yet at the end of the day, somebody has got to make that decision. And, yeah. uh, you know, usually that comes down to the elders or one lead elder <clears throat> or whatever. Well, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the whole church. I think it's another reason why he mentions their names. Yep, that's right. Because everybody who's in the fellowship needs to know who these people are. They so. have to be united yeah. in this in this move exactly to help these people out. 
Yeah, but I think that was the only caveat is we <coughs> can do this and by God's grace, very often it works. Mm -hmm. But at times in his sovereignty, he has other plans mm -hmm. and it doesn't work out the way we would hope mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. What about you guys? I mean, I have a similar story with you. I, I think I've already said it before. Like I, I didn't get kicked out. My mom didn't threaten me. It wasn't one of those things like that. She probably should have. But I moved out of my parents' house when I was 19 because I was just, I wanted to do my own thing and I was just sick of the guilt trips and all that stuff, you know? So I moved out and I moved in with this guy and I knew it was a temporary thing and it ended up being more temporary than I previously planned it to be. It was like maybe five months or something. And he was like, hey, dude, you got to move out because the house is, it was basically going to be destroyed. And so I needed to move out and... uh like, like what did you do to the house? Sounds like a fun place to so, live. Well, this quick, quick story on that. I, the first place I moved in was on a dairy farm in uh, okay. what is now Eastvale. Okay. Uh, it was like West Norco then in SoCal. And uh, it was just, as far as the eye could see, just farms and dairy land. And now it's like houses as yeah, far as the eye can see. It was rural. Now it's more like suburb. Oh, 100%. I mean, this city came out of nowhere. And so the, this housing development <laughs> bought this this land it was like mm. 30 acres and the ranch next to it which was also another 30 acres and so but they couldn't develop it because of the methane gas from the cows and stuff like that it's like a year long they have to just let the ground sit there and so basically this dude that i got to know it was his grandma's property and so he was basically allowed to squat there for a year oh because because they can't do anything with it <laughs> Until the day comes, boom, and they're like, dude, you got to go. And so I was like basically squatting with this guy in this property. <laughs> it was it was straight out of Breaking Bad, guys. I'm not going to lie. Like it was just, it was not good. And uh, anyway, so I had to bail and I asked my mom, hey, like, can I, I didn't know where to go. And uh, she, she was like, well, you can't come back here. Mm. And and I, her her phrase specifically was, I like you better not living here. <laughs> that's some tough love i couldn't like i couldn't argue with it it was very true you know like we yeah. our relationship was better me not being in the house i mean but that's probably true of like almost all parents of adult kids of course you know dude. what i mean like i like you better yeah. as an adult doing your own thing and we get to see each other and you know totally yeah like there comes a time in a man's life <laughs> right when he needs to fly out of the nest for sure. And the delay of that is what causes conflict. But yeah, I mean, it was like, I, I think at that time my mom was a Christian. So, I mean, I could come home and have a warm bed and a shower and food in the pantry and, and then go off the rest of the day and live however I wanted to live, you yeah. know, sinfully. But <clears throat> now I'm not under that like protective covering. Mm -hmm. I'm not able to receive blessings I'm just off on my own. And I think the Lord used that kind of, I, I shared this in that story uh, with Genesis and Jacob and oh, the ladder, okay. yeah. you know, he's, he's in his parents' house <clears throat> and his mom just coddles him like his whole life. And now all of a sudden for the first time he's out on his own and he's sleeping with his head on a rock. And then all of a sudden he gets this vision of a ladder. And, and the question is, is God, are you going to be there for me? And and he kind of had his moment. He was raised in a Christian home. Uh, well, not a Christian home, but a Jewish home. <laughs> a Jew yeah, he was raised in a God-fearing home. A God-fearing home. home, that's true. 
they believe, they believe been born yet. they believe the gospel that's true they believed in the promise the messiah she believed that's why she wanted jacob to get the promise yeah i just argued for the christian he was a christian family that oh i guess you're right <laughs> because it was through jacob that the that's promise right. comes that's so, right yeah. uh he was the type anyway uh <laughs> they uh i i shared that story in regard to the lord will reach your kid sometimes when you kick him out of the house, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that he, he had to hit rock bottom in order for the, him to find out that the Lord was literally. there for him. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Literally exactly. for Jacob. <laughs> but did you ever sleep in a field with your head on a rock? <sighs> I was close. <laughs> Maybe I did. I couldn't remember. Yeah. yeah but, uh, cause, the, Cause the field was full of methane gas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I mean, I had this similar story like that and I, I think it was, Definitely the thing that God used. If I would have moved back home, I would have just gone back right into the same patterns of destructive behavior, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but because I had to actually, like, I made my bed and now I'm sleeping in it, metaphorically speaking, it was not very comfortable. And right. I think the Lord uh, used that to show me that I was not on the right path, but I didn't know how to get out of it. Yeah. And um, and it, anyway, that's when he revealed himself to me in that way. But yeah, I think that we should sort of come into those spaces of like, like whether it's, you know, something that's tragic or whatever is we've had, and that's not even as tragic as some. Um, I think we come to that place where we recognize I don't, I don't have it anymore, you know? Yeah. And, and it's okay to let people like scrape their knees and they can find out that the Lord is going to be there to pick them up, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Cody? Yeah, I mean... For me, it's kind of odd because, I don't know, I guess I was, like, pretty good at living this double life, Mm. you know? Like, I did the church thing pretty well and did whatever else I wanted with other people, you know, well. Um, And so most of the tough love I can think of, like, wasn't, like, church discipline, like, stage Mm. one of church discipline, someone confronting me, really. There's a few like minor cases of that. But most of the really tough love I received, like I kind of invited onto myself because I was so sick of my own sin, Um, which just makes it feel a little different. Like no one went, we have to exercise an intervention. I went and said, dude, here's this thing, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, it looks the same. That's true. The next steps, Doesn't feel good. The next steps are like, okay, well, like, you could step down from this thing you're leading and like, let's meet for this. Let's go over this, mm. you know? So a lot of that looks the same probably. Um, but I kind of bypassed like all the other steps because there was no doubt whether I would need, <laughs> you know, a third person or a, you know, or to be brought in front of the church and explained about because right. I was like, I was the one initiating the, like, I have this sin I want to get rid of. <clears throat> mm. Um, but I, I mean, I just maybe last year had a situation with some middle school kids who were coming to youth group and like, I had to do the tough love thing and I didn't kick them out, but I like talked to them, said, here's some basic things that like can't happen here. I've like, these are the things I've seen. Um, these are the things that I haven't seen, but I've seen the results of, and unfortunately like the it started happening right when you came (laughs) you know like that type of stuff uh and like so here's the kind of you know i don't know why i have to go over these things but these are like things we can't do here 
Um, and those kids just never came back, you mm-hmm. know, but because they wanted basically you were saying, Hey, you can't act this way and continue to be here. Yeah. There's some inappropriate behaviors. I mean, that's essentially what my mom told me. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. You, you were kind of giving the similar talk. Yeah. It's like, but hey, I didn't even say the, you can't be here part. It was just like, here's, here's how we do it. And, uh, and like they decided on their own. Well, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> no adhering to that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's a bummer. It feels really terrible. Um, and yeah, you feel like you're isolating a kid who needs to hear the Bible. Yeah. But also this kid's not hearing any of the Bible because no. of the behavior problems. And now right. even less kids are hearing the Bible, you know? So like, right. yeah. it's, it's just things you have to do. You, you know? love the whole student ministry. Exactly. And you can't let them suffer for the sake of right. this, this kid. Exactly. That, yeah. Like we acknowledge everybody's a <laughs> sinner. But we cannot put up with sin. You know, we can't like yeah. play with it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we can't be patient like about it per se when it's so blaringly obvious. Right. Um, like it needs to be dealt with mm-hmm. quick. I I he says this thing, and maybe we can transition to that entailments with this thing. Um, but verse 18, he says this cool thing. I command and entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, mm-hmm. keeping faith and a good conscience, which is an interesting line, right? Because it famously is said at the end of 2 Timothy, where Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept mm. the faith. Here he's telling Timothy to fight the good fight. The good fight is not necessarily personal, Though it can feel personal, it's a spiritual battle for the fidelity, faithfulness, effectiveness of the gospel within the body of Christ, local, Mm -hmm. global, whatever. Um, The church is essentially worth fighting for. The gospel is something worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. And I think he's saying, listen, there's a lot of things that are worthy causes, hills to die on, as they say, you know? Some of them are not. And this one, though, this, the gospel, the church, those people whom you are called to shepherd and lead over, that's worth fighting for. Right. And <clears throat> and I think that's where the entailments comes in. Yeah, to use a cliche, it's keep the main things the main things. Keep the, yeah. Right, so the entailments are not the main things. That's... It, Maybe you could read that quote. Do you have that quote? Yeah. Um, yeah, I could find it real quick. Uh, maybe I have it from the um, last. But yeah, ba- D.A. Carson was essentially saying that the entailments that we keep, we keep saying that word, it's probably not even the word I would use. <laughs> I know. It's like, I never <laughs> use that word in my... <laughs> um, he's he's He was from Canada. He's a yeah. French Canadian. Um, but he's saying that they received the gospel, believed in the gospel, and... Um, and after they believed in the gospel, they thought, well, there's implications to this gospel. There's ways that we would act socially, politically. Um, there's things we would do. That's what he's calling the entailments is um, once you uh, have believed that there's social, economic, political entailments. To Relational, what to what social, yeah. Yeah, to what you've believed in. Um, and uh, and the prog- progression of that was that the next generation <coughs> just assumed the gospel but they identified with the entailments, meaning like everyone knows this gospel thing, but we are people who do this political thing or this 
economic thing or this, you know, uh, they became all about what it was, the causes that were inspired right. by the belief in the gospel. But now they're not even teaching the gospel anymore. They're just teaching about the things that we do. They have replaced yeah. the main thing with with the like exterior, the things that are hovering around the main yeah. thing. Yeah, and right. then so then a generation from then, they don't even care about the gospel at all. They deny the gospel or they just ignore the gospel altogether. And the only thing left is these entailments, these implications mm. of the gospel that you don't even adhere to anymore, but you have all the things that you do, the things that you are, you know, ch- these causes you're championing um, versus actually caring about the gospel, yeah. which, I mean, we see that uh, like a, we don't see this thing happen, but we see that with the apostles mm-hmm. when they're like, we need to get these people fed or the, the oh, widows yeah. need this or yep. whatever. Yep. And, and they're six. like, they're like, dude, the, the purpose of this church is for us to teach you <laughs> the word. <laughs> like, yeah, the reason you care about the least of these is because we've been teaching you. We can't stop teaching right. people in but order now, to care for widows. But now that you've heard it, yeah, go care for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you guys should all go care for them, but like, don't don't take up our time. We, we need to keep teaching it so more and more people receive grace from God and are humbled by it and value other people and choose to love. We have to keep teaching those things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, D.A. Carson would also, he also said in that quote, like, it doesn't mean these things aren't important. Yeah. Like, they are seriously important. So keeping the main thing, the main thing is uh, kind of what we're talking about here, but it doesn't mean that the the good things aren't good anymore. Yeah. Or, or they're, they're just distractions from the main thing. They're opportunities to express our faith. Yeah. But they should never replace yeah. our faith in the gospel or what we're essentially known by or all about. And I, <clears throat> yeah, I think that, that's why I brought up the apostles, right? Because they, yeah, they had to, you know, all the apostles would agree, we should care for widows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like 100%. Jesus definitely taught us that. We agree. We'll continue teaching that. But they're saying, we can't be a gathering of, like, widow carers. <laughs> right. Like, what good yeah. would that be for the world? Yeah. Like, what the good for the world is a gathering of people devoted to Christ's teaching, learning right. to obey everything he commanded, and then going out and baptizing other people and teaching them to obey everything he commanded. Um, if we just became a gathering of people who like to care for widows, we've lost all power mm-hmm. in in what mm. Jesus wanted to do through us to impact the world. Yeah, so some of the entailments examples. Caring, like you're saying, caring for the less fortunate. Well, I mean, like, well, as one example here, just in our own city, the Canby Center, right? Mm-hmm. The Canby Center is not a church. No. And that's what I appreciate about Ray Keen is he's not trying to make it a church. And and him and I talked recently, I guess, evidently somebody came to him several months ago and like wanted to start a weekly Bible study that met there on mm. Sunday. And he was like, nope, <laughs> not going to happen. And be, but there's the temptation is, oh, you know what? I've given up on the local church. The church hurt me. And now I, but you know what? I still love Christians and I want to come over to that. You, you have a successful thing going on here, Ray, and I'm going to leech onto that. And I'm going to use your platform in order to sort of scratch this itch that I have. And he's like, no, we're not going to go down that road because that road will undermine all of my church partnerships. 
yeah. in the city that I believe in. I believe in the church, and I I totally appreciate that about Ray. Not that this person has you know nefarious sort of like d- oh, ambitions yeah. or anything like that. It's just keeping the main thing the main thing. Hey, we're not going to replace the local church with this little Bible study that's meeting in a building over here. Right. And he didn't want to go down that road. That's just one example. Now, again, the Camby Center is caring for people, but then you'll have people come to me as a pastor of a local church and say, how come we're not doing as much as the Camby Center is doing? Because we're not called to do what the Camby Center is doing. That's why (laughs) the Camby Center is doing amazing things in caring for those less fortunate in our community and those who are in need. And the church should be helping aid in that, but that's not our primary calling. And and so we need to focus on what we're primarily called to do and in order to help them do what they're primarily called to do. Yeah. And right. I think, well, Christian universities, the same thing. Yeah. Um, I remember my old professor was like, listen, we're not the point. The church is the point. And we don't exist uh, in order that the church may exist. The church exists, therefore we exist. You know, right. like, yeah. like that other one comes first and we are here to serve them. The moment that becomes a problem, we're done. Like we're not going to happen anymore because mm. Jesus died for the church. He didn't die for this university. And I think that those are important. Uh, like you actually have to live that out, yeah. that perspective. Um, and we can go on and on and on and on, but all these kinds of things have a tendency to replace the church um and like private christian school even yeah. people send their kids to private christian school well they're getting a christian education um you know hopefully they get saved by that but they're not being what are they going to do afterward when they're when they graduate from high school are they going to find a local church like you you didn't train them to go to church their whole upbringing right and so they don't even know what that looks like they don't have a love for the church they don't even have a category for it their understanding of fellowship was from their teachers, their math teacher who was a Christian or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's where it like, we sort of lose the main thing and we sort of fall into these other spaces, but it right. was never meant to replace that. And th- yeah. those were sort of my, like, <clears throat> I mean, I can go on and on and on, but some of my thoughts yeah. about entailments, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of different things you might look at. Mode of education, of course, is a big one. Um, yeah. Helping those less fortunate. I think the Benevolent Candy Center ministry, Benevolent, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the church does that. <laughs> like we take care of uh, those people who call this place home, of course, but the Candy Center was originally created because a, a bunch of churches were like, we're doing this for a lot of people. Let's pull our resources and we can help the whole community. And now we partner with them like directly financially. And we volunteer there to help. And so really, you know, we work in, in partnership with them. Um, but yeah, the gospel is, is the main thing. Um, and yeah, there's probably a bunch of other things. Of course, different political issues yeah. arise. Well, yeah. And DA Carson's quote, like abortions in there, you know, yeah, in that quote, which was funny because we were just like, as an example, you know, like <coughs> abortion was on this list of things he called an entailment. Right. We were just at the walk for life the day mm-hmm. before, but it's still a relevant point, <laughs> right? If, if you, you know, if all of your time and your passion goes into fighting abortion. Right. And you have nothing left for God or the gospel, then is the gospel really the center of your life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the question. And or like, is, yeah. we all like agree that like 
abortion should not be a thing that people do. Um, but it also can't become as important as preaching the gospel. <laughs> right. Cause the gospel is the, the, the good news, you know, of what God has done for us in salvation, uh, is really the solution to our biggest need. All those things like life, you know, protecting life, that's a need that we can participate in, but it's not the greatest need. The greatest need is, is, is our, you know, the issue of sin that we have in our life. And mm-hmm. so, it extends from that, and then all these other things are important. But yeah, if they replace the gospel, we're in trouble. Well, mm-hmm. well, for example, like with abortion, right? You're not going to fight abortion in this country through preaching. You're going to fight it through political policies. And so the only way to it, you have to just now. I'm I'm leaving the church, <laughs> like as a pastor, right? I'm going to leave the church, and I'm going to jump into the political realm. Um, this is what Wilberforce did, right? When he helped free the yeah. slaves. Yeah, well, he, he joined Congress. He got the parliament. He yeah. got saved. Yeah. He was on the path to become a preacher, mm-hmm. if I remember his story right. But then he he felt this call to help liberate and get rid of slavery, right. the slave trade thing. And so he was like, I can make a better impact on that if I jump over here to politics. Mm-hmm. He never once, you know, felt like his preacher. Every every preacher needs to leave their pulpits and jump into the political realm. No, the church has their place. He had his calling, which was to jump into the political realm. Yeah. But that's where I think... And because of that, someone else is pastoring whatever church he would have had to pastor. Mm-hmm. And yep. they they have to preach the gospel yeah. <laughs> to the people right. at that church. And like he was some, still faithfully attending. Yeah. 100%. He was, still, he was still keeping the main thing, the main thing. And that he, was just... he would have never had that pull in his heart had he never heard preaching and gotten saved yeah. and then figured out how can I uh, help? How can I love my neighbor as myself? And and he felt like this is a way to do that. And so, I th- again, that's where like right. he didn't lose the gospel and was able to meaningful engage in the entailments mm-hmm. of social action, um, and that that was that was his thing. And I think Christians should engage in the pro life cause, and yet not hold it over the church saying you're not doing enough. Right. Yeah. yeah and and still, we Newton, can always say that about ourselves. We're not doing enough. We're crying yeah. out loud. Newton, well, yeah, and it's a you're confusing the purpose of the church itself. Right. Yeah, and the pastors that he was, you know, submitting to. Newton and many others, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what church he was fellowshipping at, but still, they no doubt preached the gospel, they preached the Bible, and at times addressed that issue of slavery, probably many times. As they're, as they're preaching through the gospel, you're going to talk about the evil of forcing people into servitude, you know, and mistreatment. And at times, we will preach on a Sunday if if that is the theme or connected to the text to talk about issues like abortion, to talk about those kinds of issues, but they're not going to overtake the main point, which is mm-hmm. the gospel. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for um, sure. Yeah. So those issues will come up, but yeah. we just, so I, what was the context for bringing that quote into your sermon? I'm forgetting now. Um. Yeah. Well, well it, it was, was about false teachers. Yeah. It's about false teaching. When we take something and elevate it to the level of the gospel. Yeah. Which and, that's yeah. one of the things they were doing. In part, it seems. Yes. They yeah. They were taking well, like these genealogies or laws. Yes, and they're like making up new teaching based right. off of it. So yeah, essentially that was the context was <coughs> what have we taken and tried to elevate it to the mm. level of doctrine Yeah, mm-hmm. when it is not doctrine. You know, it is not 
Like it is not the gospel. Um, It is not even like a core belief necessarily of Christianity, but it is a point you get to when you start extrapolating the core beliefs of Christianity into your culture, you'll come to these conclusions. But when you lose the doctrine, the core beliefs, and you just remember what your group of Christians did at your point in time in human history and culture, then then everything's lost for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, and exactly. if you because allow then, that to go on, then those those people will cause they will destroy the church essentially. So yeah. they have to be uh, turned over to Satan. Well, <laughs> so that's where that ends. Yeah, yeah, and I th- I think that how how can we like guard ourselves? Is your question here on the thing? How can we guard ourselves against following that dangerous path? I think the temptation is always there um, to find some sort of little like thing to hobby horse on, mm-hmm. um, especially if like we're really good at it or we have some personal experience in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean like the pro-life cause or um, education or, or whatever it is, you know, if you have an experience or like a human trafficking, mm-hmm. that's another, another big one that people get behind because of some life experience, a family member or personal or whatever. Um, but I think for Christian church leadership, that's where it really gets becomes a struggle. And I think what we see often is pastors get very political in the pulpits. And and that's because they're like immersing themselves in the news all week. And uh, it, the, the whole like we become what we behold thing like mm-hmm. a few weeks ago is like those, the pastors need to keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm-hmm. And, and if they keep the main thing, the main thing, then the, then the church will. And I think that's what the elders are going to be there for. And in, in a couple of weeks here is they help guard doctrine yeah. and direction and vision of the church. You know, if they start going off, uh, <clears throat> not, not just in the congregation, but the leaders themselves, if you, if you're led by one person, <clears throat> then it's easier to go off. If you're not led by anybody, it's easier to go off. And so yeah. you need a group of leaders who can all hold each other accountable under the authority of scripture and say, hey, this is our vision. This is our values. Mm-hmm. And we're going to sort of make sure we're on on that and we're not drifting off onto something else. Like our our mission right now is to let make sure that the governor knows that we are not going to kowtow and we're going to we're not going to shut down and we will not be silent like this is now our mission in the world is to make sure they know our our rights in the United States. It's like, okay, cool, we got rights. But dude, that's not now the vision of your church, right? <laughs> to make sure that the the governor knows <laughs> who you are and who's really in charge here. You know what I mean? It's right. just like yeah. Uh no. No, yeah. I don't want to be known by that. I right. want to be known by the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, what does he say in the next very section? Pray for those kings and people who are in authority yep. so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. That's that's not the person who's like, let me stand up and get my megaphone and shout from the top and let everybody know what my views are on everything. Like he's saying, man, go in your closet, pray for these people so that we can just lead quiet, peaceful lives. That's all we want. You know, like (laughs) just let them leave us alone. That would be great. You know? And yeah, sometimes it's like, it's all about authority and who's in power. And I think that's where Christians get off a little bit, you Mm -hmm. know? And that will be this week, this weekend. Yeah. So look forward to that. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. I'm already thinking ahead. 
<laughs> well, there's some talk about entailment. Should we should we Let's talk about on. should we talk about maybe someone who heard the gospel and thought this has some effect on how I will live my life and where I'll serve? <laughs> you mean like volunteer of the week? <laughs> volunteer of the week. Uh, our volunteer of the week this week, someone who heard the gospel and thought that there was some <laughs> entailments for how she would live her life and the way that she would serve. Uh, our volunteer of the week is Hannah Simon. Nice. She was the volunteer of the week. A long, a long, long time ago. We made her the volunteer of the week again this week because uh, women's ministry just wrapped up for the summer, their yeah. gatherings, and uh, Hannah's super faithful to lead worship for every one of those gatherings along yeah. with people who uh, who help her. Um, and, uh, this weekend, especially she had the final women's gathering and she was on worship team for Sunday morning for the, like the third week in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week she gets a break because she'll, uh, she gets to go help in the kids ministry, which is super, <laughs> yeah. just a relaxing, she gets a break to go serve somewhere just else. a relaxing, refreshing way <laughs> to recharge. So if you see Hannah, uh, mm-hmm. Tell her she was a volunteer of the week. Thank her for the way she served so faithfully. I and, mean, she's uh, also helping you and your wife with your small group leadership, yes, right? Yep. Her and absolutely. Joel participate in, in yep. helping and that. Help so lead it, yeah. They do a lot at the yep, church. Absolutely. Right? Tons and tons and tons. So uh, congratulate her and thank her for her faithfulness and serving and mm-hmm. uh, for helping in so many different ways and for just being a generally cool person that adds to a great vibe at our church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's time for Bible Trivia right now. All right, Rob, take it away. Today, since we were talking about false teachers versus a true teacher, Paul versus these false teachers, this category is called Teacher Teacher. Um, (laughs) I'll take Teacher Teacher for 200. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes, what famous rabbi was Paul's teacher? Gamaliel. Is that how you say that? That's I always how say, I say it. I always that, say Gamaliel. Uh, that, uh, isn't that the cat from uh, Smurfs? <laughs> <laughs> no. Gamaliel. That, is it? Gamaliel. Is it? I say Gamaliel. Okay. Cody, do you agree with that? <laughs> Dude, I didn't I didn't know it. It is. But I yeah, <laughs> Gamaliel is always the way I've always said it. Tomato tomato. I thought that was the um, cat from the Smurfs. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. I this don't one's interesting. I mean, I... Did you, th- did you think that was going to be a hard one? No, no, no. But it had to do with the Apostle oh, Paul. Oh, the cat from the Smurfs was Azrael. What What two... <laughs> that was so important information. <clears throat> a few more teacher teachers. What two men were instructed... Or I'm sorry, were to instruct the people involved in the construction of the tabernacle? Oh, jeez. Oh, Oholiab... Yeah. And I want to say like Eleazar, but I, don't, nope, I know that's nope, not right. Nope. Oh, I got Holy it. Ab. I got the other one. We just went over this. I know. I know. That's why Holy I can... Ab. And I think it's a Baihu. <laughs> nope. That's Nadab and a Baihu. Oh, you're that's right. You're right. You're right. right. A Holy Ab. Wait, what'd you say? A Holy Ab. That's all No, I said. what was the second one though? I didn't say one. Yeah, you had one. Yeah, you said Eliezer. But Eliezer? Then you, no, but then that's you one changed of the it right that's away. One of the, that's yeah, one of these. You, said it was, you said it, and then you said it was wrong right away. Bezalel. 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 I knew there was a Z in but there. But you did get a holy app. No, you're Yay. right. I totally got her. Abihu is is one of Aaron's sons who's yeah, yeah. A, a doofus. They offer strange um, fire. <laughs> uh, let's see. We can do one, one more. more. One more. What 
learned <coughs> Wait, Greek on. for the last one. <coughs> there we go. That was the that was the last one. What learned Greek person, I guess, taught in the synagogue at Ephesus, but was himself instructed by Aquila and Priscilla? Oh, this is a good one. Um, this is a good one. Yeah, it's uh, it's the dude because later, like Paul, like is uh, Bartholomew. We no, it's like we follow. Maybe. Remember, we're like we we follow Paul, but we follow Apollos. Apollos. It's Apollos. Apollos. That's is that right? right? Apollos. Let's see. Cody is right. Hey, I got job. one. Good job, Cody. Good one. And all that right, is it. that wraps it up. <clears throat> that wraps it up. That's all we have. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.